Inconvenience is just the beginning of your problems if there is a cyber attack. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on this show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Thank you. You know, last week there was a major cyber attack that temporarily shut down several federal websites, including the one the federal government uses to securely share documents. That got a lot of us thinking about the possibilities of a more harmful cyber attack and what the aftermath would look like. Today, we detangle the complexity of a cyber attack and we put it into easy to understand pieces. Unlike some other threats, almost everyone seems to agree that a major cyber attack will happen in our lifetimes. We ought to be prepared for it. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. One of the things we're going to talk about on this show is all the things that are connected to the Internet, including utilities. Mm -hmm. Um, Water systems, shockingly, rely on the Internet, whether it be water systems like a well, water systems like your local utility, and you're going to need to find water. We've talked about that extensively, but once you get that water... You're going to need to purify it. And we cannot stress enough how much we love Pro One water filters. You can find them at our website at prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates. You'll find them over there. And not only will you find your basic pitcher tank, small tank water filter, you will find a whole home system. You will find water filtration to make sure you have this prep checked off on your list of preps to do. That's right, Shelby. Why don't you tell folks about the great giveaway we have going oh on? Oh, my gosh. So, folks, this is kind of your last chance. Mm, but it is your last chance. It is your last chance. No kind of about it. You have until the 23rd of June. This is the 21st of June to sign up for this. Go to our website, prepping2-0.com. Super easy to find it. Kind of in the upper right, you'll see a green button that says, Enter the Survival Seed Garden Seeds Giveaway. What are you signing up for, may you ask? You are signing up to possibly win a 30-pack home seed garden collection, a 50-pack homesteader seed collection, or a 100-pack farmer's seed vault. If you've listened to our recent show where we talked to the folks over at Survival Garden Seeds, you know they package their seeds in such a way that they can last up to eight years in the best of conditions. These are heirloom, non-GMO, open-pollinated seeds to keep your preps going and be able to grow your own food. So this is a great way to win a whole lot of seeds to get that going. Top 100 items that disappear first. This is a list from Bosnia Survivors. It's available on our website, prepping2-0.com under the button called Top 100 List of Things. Number 19, baby supplies. You want to talk about a way to win friends, even if you don't have babies, even if you don't plan on having any babies at your place, you want to talk about a way to win over people. It would be having baby supplies, diapers, formula, all this kind of stuff. True or false, Shelby, we do not have little kids. We do not. So that'd be true. That would be true. However, we are at an age in our life where there could be grandchildren eventually in the next few years. Yes, true or false. In our preps, we have baby supplies, even though we don't have a direct need for them. Correct. Yes, that's right. So you should do that too. Have some baby supplies. Reason of the week to be a Patreon, and that is, as a Patreon, you get the after show, and the first segment of the after show is the lightning round. Here's what you're missing in the lightning round if you are not a patriot. What one thing is the ugliest thing you've ever seen? As I was about to put a rifled slug into a skunk that was in a trap in the barn, the skunk turned around and pointed his or her little butt at me and started squirting out this lime green stuff that I knew was problematic. There we go. Well, let's get into it, everybody. I wanted to set the stage. When Shelby and I saw last week that the federal government was hit with a serious cyber attack, we said, well, let's go back and listen to an episode we did on this topic. We, of course, just assumed that we had done an episode on such an important topic. Well, it turns out that we haven't done one. We're going to fix that today. Sit back and enjoy the conversation. Well, when we start a topic like cyber attacks, we need to set the stage, and that is... We need to let folks know why this matters to them, because we could talk about all kinds of stuff. And if it doesn't matter, then you're not going to listen. Everything 
is on the internet. And that was a statement 10 years ago that was 90% true. Now it's 100% true. And we wanted to go through this and give you an idea of everything that's dependent on the internet, because that will tell you what would be disrupted if the internet were disrupted. First, and this is in no particular order of importance, it's in a particular order of stuff we wrote down. Number one, communications. You would be completely cut off from each other via cell phone and text, obviously email. You would not be able to get news to the extent CNN and network news is actually news. It's not, it's propaganda. But you would not be able to get any information. The only way to get information would be ham radio. And by the way, even some ham radio, digital communications, digital DMRS stuff, is reliant on the internet. And and as a side note, ham radio guys will say, oh, the digital ham radio stuff is so cool. I can talk to somebody a thousand miles away via the internet. And I sit there and I'm polite. I don't say it, but I'm like, I thought one of the reasons to have ham radio was to not be dependent on the internet. Now you're getting dependent on the internet for more bells and whistles. Seems a little short-sighted. Putting that aside, all of the things that you used using ham radio plug into a wall. Oh, and we'll be talking about that in a moment. That will be, well, let's talk about it now. That will be utilities. This is probably the biggest problem with an internet outage for two reasons. One, it's devastatingly comprehensive, the damage. And number two, most people don't think their utilities are reliant on the internet, so they will be shocked and amazed. And we will talk about people's reactions to this being the far more dangerous thing than any actual outage. But utilities, electricity obviously depends on the internet. There are giant, I guess, switching centers, for lack of a better term. It's the grid. It's the the grid. grid. And they say, oh, we're down a few whatever megawatts in Ohio. So let's temporarily for five seconds, I'm making all this up. I'm sure there's an electrical grid engineer who's like, that's so wrong. But, you know, for five seconds, we need to blast some electricity over to Ohio, but we can't do it for more than five seconds because we'll blow up the lines. The internet is doing all of this. And so electricity is gone diddly gondlers. It's not just gone. It's gone diddly (laughs) gondlers. Yes. That's a Ned Flanders reference. So you would have no electricity during the duration of this internet outage. Now that may not be true at first, it may just be the internet. And then a couple hours later, the electricity goes off. It might go off in certain spots and not where you are. And that's an important thing to keep in mind when we talk about a cyber attack. It is possible that a cyber attack shuts down the internet everywhere all at once. That's possible. It's also possible and probably more likely, given that the more dramatic things are, the less likely they are to occur. It is probable that there would be phases, rolling blackouts. Mm -hmm. We'll get to all of that. Blackouts, I don't just mean electricity. I mean internet outages. It could be that the internet is up for five minutes and then down. So don't think of things as being completely categorical, all black or all white. There's going to be a lot of shades of gray in mm-hmm. here. So the utilities, you can have electricity off. Natural gas is also switched, basically supplied, delivered, whatever you want to call it, via the Internet. We forgot to mention nuclear power. Yeah. I'm told, and I don't know that I believe this, that nuclear power plants are not connected to the Internet because long ago they realized the possibility of internet hacking. So let's say that's true. Let's say the government actually did something smart, which is kind of a stretch. So the government did something smart. The problem is the distribution system. Remember that grid and five seconds of megawatts in Ohio that I was talking about? That's still going to be an issue. So yes, maybe nuclear power plants can produce power, but maybe they can't deliver it. What happens when you're producing power and you're not delivering it? Stuff gets hot. So that could be a problem in and of itself. So we've got electrical, natural gas, water. So you live on a simple little water distribution system. Maybe you have a well in your backyard. I can't tell you that the internet controls that single well. You you need electricity for it unless you have a wind thing and very few people do. So the electricity is gonna be the Achilles heel, even in your backyard well that is not connected to the internet. You see what a problem this is, but for larger water systems, and even I would say medium-sized water systems, 
They rely on the internet for a variety of things, the water treatment, how much chlorine or whatever to put in. There are a million things. Trust me, the internet goes down and after some period of outage, and I don't know what it is, and I'm sure it varies, you're going to have water plants going offline. Everything we've said applies to gasoline too. We're gonna talk about logistics in a moment, but first Shelby is gonna tell you folks something. So I wanna give an awesome shout out to our great and faithful sponsors of our show. And you can find all of them at our website, prepping2-0.com, click on friends and affiliates, and you'll find some awesome coupon codes there. First of all, there's Katie Armour, come and take it armor, deals in full body armor for the average Joe. Backwards Home Magazine, Umana Foods, deep preps of freeze dried food to put away for years at a time. Minutemen Coffee, EMP Shield, which is very applicable to what we're talking about today. Paul Burke, realtor in Idaho, helps and reaches out to first responders and preppers to help them find the perfect prepping property. And you can find him at firstresponserealty.com, powered by Fathom Realty. With your permission, I would like to resume the outline, dear. We were talking about utilities. Closely related to utilities is the topic of logistics. The entire system of ordering things and transporting them, take Amazon Prime, for example, although it goes deeper than that, it relies on the internet. The ordering system, as you can imagine, is completely dependent on the internet. It's automated. Yeah, one click, buy it now. It's not just, and this is an important point for people to understand, it's not just ordering stuff from the internet. I use the Amazon Prime example. That's not the only thing you need the internet for. Let's say you do what I did recently, which was go to my local lawnmower and chainsaw shop because I really try to patronize local businesses. And I ordered a chainsaw from them because I wanted my business to be local. How did they take my order? I kid you not. There was a notebook, a spiral bound notebook that had scribbling all over it. And the guy wrote down my name and what I wanted and my phone number. So you're saying, well, that didn't require the internet. You are most certainly correct. It did not. It required a sharp pencil and a spiral bound notebook. Even if you have that low level of technology, what is that guy going to do once he looks at his notebook and actually places my order? (gasps) He's going to use the internet. You see how the internet for ordering is absolutely, he's not going to write a letter snail mail and send it. He's not going to use carrier pigeons with little notes in their little feet or whatever. He is going to use the internet to order it. And even if he didn't, let's say he took his uh, spiral bound notebook and walked over to the steel factory that was next door. Very unlikely scenario. I grant you that we're fiction writers, but we still try to be a little bit credible. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so you walk next door to the factory. The factory needs to use the internet to get parts. Using the example of steel chainsaws, a lot of them are produced, a lot of not necessarily assembled, but there are a lot of parts that are produced in Germany. And that requires the internet to get all the parts over there. So you cannot, and this is one of my rare black and white categorical statements, you cannot order stuff without the internet. You just can't do it. Somewhere in the process, someone has to use the internet. The phone call, when he picks up the phone to make the phone call, the internet will probably be used in just It'll even a, in, in a that vo- vote. voice over yep. internet protocol system. It won't be the rotary phone that you pay your $4 a month bill to AT&T like in the 70s. I know that because we had a rotary phone and a party line up until the early 80s. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, we were not rolling in the dough. Let's just put it that way. So related to logistics and ordering is the transportation problems. Very similar to the ordering problems, the reliance on the internet for ordering is the reliance on the internet for transportation. Let's go back to the chainsaw example. After the order is placed, it needs to be delivered to this shop or conceivably to my house if I would have ordered it that way. And so you're gonna have trucks rolling up to take stuff from wherever it's made to wherever it needs to go. The whole thing about getting the trucks to show up, and you're not gonna send a semi to deliver one chainsaw. You're gonna have distribution systems. You're gonna have a truckload of chainsaws that go to the, in my case, Western Montana distribution place. 
and telling the truck to be at a particular time and having an inventory of what it is it is sending, what it's got on board, because then when it's delivered, you need to check it off and make sure stuff gets paid for. So even the transportation is going to require the internet. And we have all these miraculous systems now when it comes to semi-trailers or semi-trucks in particular with independent operators. They will take a load to quote an Alan Jackson song, a load of salsa from Tulsa, and they will take it and they will go deliver it to Prescott, Arizona. And then when they're in Prescott, Arizona, the internet and computer wizardry says we got a load of two by fours that need to go from Prescott to Bangor, Maine. And so all of these switchings, all of this information happens via the internet. So you can have all the trucks, all the truck drivers and all the diesel fuel you possibly want, all of which would become hindered in an outage of the uh, internet. You can have all that stuff you need, but you still can't get anything done without the internet. Any other additional thoughts on logistics and the effect of a cyber attack? I think when we think about trucks and distribution centers, let's think about what we went through kind of during the COVID times when there were so much disruptions and those in the trucking industry were saying, this is fragile, folks. This is one step away from not working. And part of that was that whole automation, the fact that you can just like take your phone, take your iPad, scan a code on a truck, and it immediately downloads what's in that truck. And then we send it, you know what I mean? It's all done through scanning and through automated systems. And that's when that goes down, it's going to be ugly. And related to logistics, ordering and transportation, we've alluded to this, and that is the financial system. She mentioned scanning when something You know, when that chainsaw gets dropped off in Western Montana at my uh, saw shop needs to be paid for. And so you're going to have no credit cards and no debit. Now, for example, you know, this chainsaw store example is actually working out really well because many of you don't know this, but the chainsaw store in our town has a sign up that says no credit cards or debit. They accept cash and checks. You'd think, well, they're insulated from this. Uh, No, they're not. They actually cannot. They have a very booming business. Well, they do. But yes, but my point is when they get that chainsaw off the truck that came from the manufacturing place, they, that shop, needs to pay still for the item. And that money needs to go through an ACH system, which is automated clearinghouse, which basically checks and debit cards and all of that other stuff. So even if I walk in and I pay with cash, that store needs to turn that cash into electronic money. They do so by depositing it at the bank. And then in their bank account, they have so many dollars and they pay still with that electronic account, which wouldn't be able to operate without the internet. Forget for a moment And this just compounds the problem. Let's just forget for a moment that there's probably going to be electric outages. You can't operate computer systems without electricity and know all the generators, all the 24 hour generators in the world will not last for a week if that's how long the outage is. And so back to the store example. There's no way for stuff to get paid for. Now, this is Montana. These are cool guys. So maybe they take down my name and number and say, hey, when the Internet's back up, why don't you come in and pay us? But see, that's not the problem. It's not me paying these guys. It's those guys paying still for the stuff that they got. And maybe still is cool and says right down in that notebook of yours, how much stuff you took off the truck and we can square up later. I don't expect giant corporations to be cool like that. It works really well in Montana when you know people and people are cool. I don't think CEOs of giant corporations are cool. I see them as money grubbers. So you've got that huge problem. The other thing is, in my example, I talk about how I would use cash. Of course, checkbooks wouldn't work because you couldn't run the checks through the system. Let's just assume that cash was still a viable system. Let's assume the uh, chainsaw store could just send still an envelope with a bunch of cash in it, which of course is insane, but let's just assume that's true. Here's the problem. Most consumers don't have any cash now, 
am I part of this problem? Yes, guilty as charged. Shelby, how much cash do you carry on you? And you have the luxury of having a purse because you're a woman. I do not have a purse because there are a variety of reasons why I do not have a purse. How much cash do you carry on you in your purse, even though you've got kind of a cool setup for it? Oh, I don't know. Uh, $100? Yeah. So that means let's say everybody out there has $100 of cash. And I seriously question whether that is even realistic. It's only going to be $100 worth of stuff. And people are going to go through that really quickly. Because as we'll talk about in a while, the biggest problem with a cyber attack is how human beings react to it. And to give you a little preview of where that discussion's going, let's say Shelby has $100. She's going to run out and like fill up her gas tank and do a bunch of other stuff. Oh, it's going to be gone in a hot second. It's going to be gone in a hot second and it won't be wasted. So another problem with the internet going down when it comes to the financial system is that we don't, and let's say, oh, everyone says, well, we'll just barter. Well, I agree in the long term, barter is where things would go if the internet were down forever we would end up bartering. And by the way, we wouldn't buy nearly as much stuff because bartering is far less efficient than swiping your card. As much as I'm saying we're relying on cards and what a hole this is in our all of our preps, I must say it is very convenient. Well, and the thing about barter, we've talked positively about it and how there needs to be kind of a setup time for it. The initial barter time, there's going to be a lot of distrust. Yeah, and nobody's going to know what prices exactly. are. I mean, you know, that gallon of gas, what is that, three chickens? I don't know. I mean, nobody knows what it's going to be. And people are not going to be able to function Mm -hmm. in commerce without an established price system. Again, one develops, and you've read 299 Days, I'm sure, you the listener, and you know about how that happens and how you can use ammunition, gold and silver, a bunch of other stuff. So I'm not saying there will never be barter. I'm saying that in the short term, it's going to be absolute chaos. And the gas station attendant is not going to know what the price is. And the gas station attendant, who's probably working for $15 an hour, is not going to say, yeah, we'll take three chickens. The $15 an hour gas station attendant is going to say, I'll have to talk to my supervisor. And of course, there's no way to talk to the supervisor because all the internet is down. And so you're not going to have any commercial activity is the point without the internet. And it's more than just there's going to be inconvenience. Yes, there's going to be a tremendous amount of inconvenience. Again, I raise my hand and say, I'm the one that doesn't carry a lot of cash. So yes, it would be convenient. But inconvenience is just the beginning of your problems if there is a cyber attack. So Shelby, what are some of your thoughts? Oh, yes to all the things. And we're going to talk so much more about this on the other side of the break that we're about to take. But so much of this is dependent upon how long the outage will be. And if we get it back in any sort of robust or maybe diminished way. But we need to lots of gray areas, lots of gray areas. And, And I think this is, you know, the great stuff of great apocalyptic books as well. So folks, we're going to talk more about some of the other things that are on the internet that we need to consider and how duration is a key. We're going to dig into that some more. And let me the see. human reaction. The human That's reaction. what we're going to really tease out and provide some details because that is the main problem. Yep, human have... beings are the problem. I sound like Bill Gates. We have so many more things to talk about is the point. So Don't go away. We have so much more to talk about after the break. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. 
Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One water filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One water filter gravity systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E-U-S-A.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for rejoining us. We're just getting started with our conversation and fleshing out of cyber attacks. For even more, though, stick around for the after show if you're a Patreon supporter. And Patreons get to hear the lightning round. A lot of folks are asking me what kind of truck I bought. Not because I'm cool. And let's be honest, I'm it's not a, very cool. It's a pretty, I'm not cool at all. It's a very pretty truck. It is a very pretty truck. It's very luxurious. But the reason people are asking is the whole Ford Chevy thing. And they're like, you know, they want their particular favorite brand to be validated. Is this a discussion of trucks? No, it's a discussion of truck guns. That's where Gibbs Arms comes in, G-I-B-B-Z Arms. They make a variety of cool things, and you need to see their website, GibbsArms.com, and their YouTube channel where they show you some of the amazing innovations they've done. They have a pistol caliber carbine that is pretty amazing. It is, in my opinion, the perfect truck gun. It comes Cerakoted, so if there's a little extra moisture in the uh, storage place in the truck. I won't tell you where it is because I don't want you guys being like Seattle meth addicts and breaking into my truck. Not that anyone listening would. But anyway, you need a truck gun. And my humble suggestion is a Gibbs Arms pistol caliber carbine archive dive. This is where we go back and we look at an old episode and we let you know about it so you'll listen to it because there is a ton of cool stuff. We're on episode 242 here. And there have been, do the math, 241 previous episodes. And that's a lot of stuff. Now, cyber attacks was not one of our previous episodes, but we're remedying that now. I want to direct your attention 
to episode 68, which is we had a guy named Jack Decker, not his real name, on who was a government intel guy. And they did call it war gaming. They did like a scenario based exercise about a disruption in the United States and whether there would be a civil war and who might win. It is absolutely fascinating when you listen to Jack Decker. First of all, he's legit. I vetted him. He's who he says he is, which isn't always the case. There's a classic phrase. There were 600 SEALs in Vietnam, and I've met all 2,000 of them, right? There are a lot of people that say that they did cool stuff that didn't. Jack Decker's a real deal, so highly recommend episode number 68, which aired February 2020. Well, Shelby, let's get back to the cyber attack topic. Let's attack the topic. See what I did there? I did. No one laughed, so it wasn't very funny. Well, that's just the two of us. So Mm -hmm. let's have a little laugh. Let's think about this. Let's think about the good old days. We joke about this. We joke about how we watch old sitcom, old shows. And the one that we honestly watch a lot of is Rockford Files. We love it. We love it. And we'll joke about it. It was from the late 70s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And we look at how Jim Rockford goes and looks up in the yellow pages. He's a private investigator, and he finds addresses in this book. For our younger listeners, Yellow Pages were in fact yellow. It was a paper product. It was a a softbound book that would come to your doorstep once a year. And it had the names and addresses of phone numbers of just about everybody. You had to pay a lot of money to get an unlisted number. And if you had an unlisted number, you were like royalty when I was a kid. You had to pay bucks for that. Yeah. Everything was on paper. And he goes and he looks up stuff in the Yellow Pages. Guess what doesn't exist anymore? The yellow pages. So there are all kinds of administrative things that would be disrupted in a cyber attack. And these are seemingly unimportant, but they actually are kind of important. How about your bank records? Now, let's say your money is still in there because they back up their servers or whatever they do. I don't know what they do. So we're not saying that you lose all your money. We're just saying that you're not going to be able to have your bank records for six months or something like that. Think about that. Think about life insurance. Did you make your payment or not? Well, that's on the internet. So there's no record of you making a payment. Let's say you die and the beneficiary of your life insurance says, yeah, but we paid it. Oh, how? How do we know this? And so you're going to have a ton of administrative things. We're going to have a version of the lightning round. So I'm going to throw a curveball at Shelby. Shelby, name something that isn't on the internet. That isn't on the internet. Um, I can't. Kind of hard to do. It is. The only thing I can come up with is my bathroom schedule. It's rather regular. Yeah. Just in case anybody wants to know. And we don't put that out on the internet because that would be wrong. That would be disgusting. So part of the problem with this is, and as you can see, when seriously, we cannot come up with anything of consequence that isn't on the internet, is that everyone is reliant on the internet. A classic example of this is GPS. Do I use GPS? Heck yeah. Am I getting soft in my land navigation skills? Yes, I am. And we all are. Exactly. And That's there are kind whole, of the point. whole yeah. generations, if you listen to last week's show, Gen Z and millennials in particular, that have no idea. I mean, I know somebody who's very intelligent and very well educated who not only has no idea where North generally is, like in her hometown, she couldn't tell you where North is. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a human compass that's got like a magnetic compass in your head and you can say, well, it's South by Southwest. I'm not talking that. I'm talking you've lived in a place for several decades and you still have no idea generally what direction North is. This is a problem because we are so reliant on it. And the younger you are, the more reliant you are on the internet. And so maybe this is like a crossover episode between cyber attacks and Gen Z and stuff, but no, we're not going to do that. So let's give a very concrete example to that. So this last week, Joel and I, my son, went on a road trip and we went to go pick up a car that he had purchased. Yes. With his own money. With his own money at age 18. It was awesome. Yes. He started a business. Very proud of him. So we are. Raising him right. I'm going to just say it. we're in the Grand Oregon and mm-hmm. we have to now go north. And we just went through the wind tunnel of a major highway. And I looked on the GPS and found side roads, which I thought would be easier. Mm-hmm. I get What on, could go wrong? What could go wrong? And I'm using GPS. I get on the side road with my Jeep Wrangler and I immediately text him, knowing it's not going to go through because why? I'm at the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. Text him. And I tell him, turn back. Don't come this way. Take the highway. I continue. And honestly, I don't know where I'm going, but I do know this. 
I'm going north. If I continue north, I will run into... Canada. Nope, I'll run into oh. I-90. Well, you will run into Canada. Which is what I want. I want to run into I-90, which mm-hmm. I did eventually. And Joel eventually, because he actually decided to turn back at one point, got the text and went the other way. And we met up in Spokane. So GPS failed us. And you know what saved us? Your understanding of where north is. Yeah, understanding where north is and where the main highway systems are. And I knew as long as I kept going north, even if I went through every single side road in every single county, I'm going to end up going there. And I have to continue to go north. Yeah. And here's a tip for everybody that may not know where north is. Pay attention to where the sun comes up in the morning. That's the east. And where it goes down in the evening, or pay attention where it rises in the morning and sets in the evening. Those are helpful tips. Yep. Yeah. No complicated field craft survival needed for that. Now, here's what's crazy. When it gets dark, which it was starting to get by the time I got to Spokane, that becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. So you need to know how to find north another way. Honestly, folks, find a way to put a basic little compass in your car. That a will little, help. Yeah. A $2 magnetic compass. Is, is it going to be a thousand percent accurate? No, because it's magnetic north, which is different than true north, which is a whole different topic. But still... People don't have these skills other than Shelby, who is not a millennial. She's amazing. You know, she's not. I have map skills. You do have map skills. So I think we've beat that topic to death. Let's go on to another topic when it comes to cyber attacks that folks need to think about. And that is the duration. Now, this is kind of obvious, but I think it needs to be expanded upon. The key to making it through a cyber attack is the duration of the outage. Now, there could be short outages and there could be medium-term ones and there could be long-term ones. Obviously, the impact varies greatly, but it's interesting and I think informative to look at different durations and see what the effects would be. A short outage, and I'm going to say a couple days, let's say two days. I think it would be inconvenient to most people. I don't think the world would melt down. I think back to the chainsaw shop example, they would take two days off from placing orders, still would take two days off from charging them for the stuff that they shipped. I mean, life would go on. It would be inconvenient. But here's the thing, kind of politically and socially, it would be very sobering. Think about the political and social effects of people realizing that their super easy, convenient way of life could come to a grinding halt. So let's use examples where that's happened and it's been somewhat catastrophic-ish. Let's think about the days, uh, it happened recently in the last six months when all the airlines went down. Yeah. For a day. Yeah. Because it's a great example. Let's think about what happened. And we've had examples of that. I'm trying to think of others where like Amazon had a hiccup, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were delayed for like a day or two. Think about those major, major things that we hold on to that we use every day that we've been talking about. And they're gone for a day, just a day. And think about the freak out. Now it's muted because stuff comes back on. And when I say people are going to freak out, I don't mean if there's an internet disruption for 20 minutes that people are going to start jumping off of buildings. I'm not saying that at all. But it would be sobering and people would realize the vulnerabilities. What would they do about it? Would they start listening to Prepping 2.0 and start getting squared away? Uh, No, they wouldn't because they're a bunch of dopes in general. The general population are a bunch of lemmings. But they would put pressure on the government. The government would say, we're going to fix this. We're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. It would at least raise awareness. As you can see, a short outage is not really the end of the world. It's not really something you can prep for. I don't know how you prep for a one-day internet outage without like going and writing down every phone number and and doing a bunch of stuff you don't need to do for a one-day outage. Well, and you can use it. As kind of a, you know, like when the, we talk about if your electricity goes out for a weekend, use it as a practice time. So here, let's talk about this. Electricity goes out, grid goes down. We don't have electricity. My phone is charged. I'm, I can't make a call off of it, but my phone is charged. I can start writing down phone numbers. Mm-hmm. I can start doing something where I've got key information on that phone that I may not have as long as my phone is charged. I need to make sure things are charged like my um, power banks and things like that. So it gives you a chance to practice Mm -hmm. and to find ways to keep things honestly, mostly charged, keep your generators up. And, you know, so it gives you a practice time. If we have one of these one or two day outages on the internet or a utility. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. Well, now let's go into a medium-term outage, and that's going to be, I'm going to say, I'm making this up, by the way, of course. You can tell. I make a lot of stuff up. Uh, I'm a fiction writer. It's what I do. kind of fun to hang out with. Yeah. Let's say a week to a month would be a medium-term outage. I think that that would be more than inconvenient. I think people would start losing their minds, which we're going to amplify uh, later when we talk about that topic, because that's the heart of this is the human reaction. Well, and we see that. We've seen that. And this is why I encourage you to be so observant when you see these things happening. Let's think about when power was out in Texas in the in the winter. What was it? Two weeks? Uh, yeah. Not this last winter, the winter before. How do people start acting and responding? Nasty. And it gets nasty. And it and and then watch how they act and then use it as something to learn from. Exactly. We're going to talk more about the human reaction, but I'm just saying that if it were a week to a month outage, that would bring out the bad nature in people. And there would be all kinds of problems that we will elaborate on. Now, if there is a long outage and for reasons we'll describe in a moment, that's probably unlikely. Yes, it is. It is anticlimactic and disappointing to say something may not be the end of the world, but that's what we think. If it's a long outage, you know, a month to six months, um, that's pretty much game over. Um, I don't know how this very um, dependent, entitled, luxurious society of ours survives a year without the Internet. I think it is getting to EMP levels of of no coming back. Um, And so... The long-term thing would probably be the absolute worst. But before we get into why we don't think that that long-term thing can actually happen, let's keep talking about all the ramifications of this and get to the topic that we've all been waiting for. The human reaction is the most dangerous outcome. We alluded to this, but we're going to expand on it a little bit. Gen Zers and millennials will absolutely freak out. And as we said in last week's episode about this, there's two levels of freak out. One is, and again, generalizing incredibly so. I mean, just I'm, I'm lumping tens of millions of people together into one little short vignette. So that is the definition of generalizing. I see a lot of Gen Zers who all of a sudden can't get on TikTok and millennials who can't get on YouTube because the generations use two different platforms as freaking out, completely going bananas. Their whole world is involved in that phone and constantly having information bombarding them, I think, to unhealthy levels. We talked about that in the last episode. So there's going to be freaking out. Now, is is a Gen Zer who can't get on TikTok for a couple of days going to jump off a roof? Probably not. But they're going to freak out. And as we talked about in the previous episode, they're going to be really unpleasant to be around. And I'm not discounting this. I'm not trying to be funny. When there's a major catastrophe, disruption, whatever you want to call it, and you as a grown-up are trying to solve problems like having gasoline in your vehicle, um, you know, having medicine or something like that, or some security problems, the absolute last thing you need is some Gen Z complaining about TikTok. When is this crisis going to be over? My goodness, I can't watch cats dancing or whatever you do on TikTok. Of course, in Montana, we've outlawed TikTok for real. Awesome. Law goes into effect in a while. Couldn't happen soon well, enough. Can I clarify that? Mm-hmm. It's illegal on government computers. No, no, it is. It is. It is illegal for app distributors <gasps> like iTunes awesome. and stuff. Yeah. To distribute it. Now there's a lawsuit, so we'll see how that goes. But anyway, um, the other thing, the, the other human reaction that I could see that would be very dangerous, and a couple years ago, this would have been a stretch to say, but in the past couple of years, I don't think it's a stretch. And that is Biden blaming the outage on mega terrorists. Oh, I totally see this as a complete. I mean, look at January 6th. I mean, that became um, every single you know, Republican in the country wants to, uh, you know, set the Capitol building on fire. I mean, and that's why I say a couple of years ago, this would have been a stretch. And I would have said, well, I mean, I don't really see the government blaming what was most probably a foreign attack on their political opponents. Uh, I do now. Yeah, it's every time something goes wrong, it's the prior administration. It's those it's the it's it's the right. Fill In, in the blank. In fact, I would be stunned. And I'm serious about this. If they didn't, 
the the second the internet goes down, I don't know how we're all watching TV because there's no internet. Um, but if we, you know, found out that the Biden administration said, uh, we're looking into the source of the attacks. One theory is that it was a foreign attack, but I can tell you it wasn't domestic terrorism. That would stun me if you're yeah. not going to hear that. So, and here's, here's why you can see Biden blaming Trump for a cyber attack besides his <laughs> Biden's track record is the, the old phrase, don't let a good crisis go to waste uh, a cyber attack especially one that lasted more than a little bit of time would be the ultimate crisis that that those in power the left could not just just let it happen it would be going to waste they would be able to get some political licks in on on trump basically and you know that might have worked better a couple years ago when this kind of idea seemed to be sort of crazy. Now, without getting into another topic, the polling is absolutely stunning. Let's just say this. The general population, which I often accuse of being checked out and not <laughs> and not, not very hardy and not very well informed, uh, the general population gets mm -hmm. that, for example, the Trump indictment is election interference. They get it. And so I think that if Biden said that uh, a cyber attack was was because of Trump supporters. I think it would actually have the opposite effect. I think a lot of people would say, OK, it's bad enough that that our entire civilization cannot operate because the Internet is down. But if you, Joe Biden, are trying to turn this into a political opportunity and you're trying to set a bunch of Americans against another set of Americans, we ain't having it. The, the crisis is bad enough. We don't need you, Biden, inciting a lot of political violence and a lot of retribution and being used as an excuse for an oppressive authoritarian crackdown. We are not cool with that. And I think that, yes, Biden would try it. And I also think it wouldn't work. But in just trying it, in just saying it, you know, that it's a mega extremist that took down the Internet, you're going to unleash a bunch of pain and misery and and there's no going back from that because w the way people operate is it's all about revenge both sides will go after the other side for a long long time for anything that the other side did to them and their people so we only I, oh my gosh it goes so fast yeah the thing that i think will happen if there's a short term shortish to medium term i think that's more where we're at is the federal government first of all it it has to get it back up and going to some degree because the federal government depends on the internet so it has right. to happen and then the second thing is they are going to find this is what i think and we'll see how far we get with this um they're going to bring in almost kind of like rolling blackouts mm -hmm. of internet access and show that hey look how awesome this is, we you can know, turn it back on. We, we have the back. power. We got this. And and then there's going to be a whole slew of other things that come from that. But the problem that comes with that, that they're counting on, they're using past history for this, is that and socialist com countries do this where they're like, oh, look, Cubans. We you can, have electricity. You today. have electricity. Be thankful we did this for you. And you get to have it for a day once a week or what you get it ra in a rationed manner. And be thankful. Well, I think us as Americans, um, we understand that line of thinking, and we've we those of us who have done our history know what the, what's happening with that. We also not we also know of the politicizing with that, and that the the mind squeeze that's happening with that is: look, you can depend on government to provide you this service. We know that. I think the average Joe American knows that that is, there, that is we are not going down that road. And yes, the reason that what you've described is even more likely to occur than just what you've already described mm -hmm. is technologically speaking, it is semi true that the government would need to shut down parts of the Internet or all of it on a rolling basis, because the most likely vector from a an attack on the cyber uh, cyber system would be a virus. And much like you would control a virus by having lockdowns and um, quarantines, mm -hmm. you know, the government could say, well, the Internet in Ohio 
is spewing out a bunch of viruses that are shutting down the Internet elsewhere. We need to shut down the Internet in Ohio as a precautionary measure. Right. And then they get to turn it back on and we all need to applaud. If you think that using electricity, for example, to get political loyalty is some crazy idea, go back and look at Iraq, for example. Saddam Hussein would turn off the electricity in the summer when it was really hot and people needed fans and air conditioning. Uh, he would turn it off in, in order to get loyalty from the people who were suffering from it. Um, governments have used food. They've used water. They've used security. They've used a variety of things that they can provide and withhold at their pleasure. And I wonder out loud, I'm not saying this is likely, but I'm wondering out loud if we wouldn't see, for example, in this scenario, preferential treatment for mm -hmm. blue states. And uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if the government somehow demanded concessions from individuals to get their personal internet back on. You have to sign up with GovNet, I'm making this up, which is the government internet, and uh, you agree to our terms and conditions, which are we can monitor everything you do, we can come to your house and do searches, we can do whatever we want. They could say, um, declare here that you don't have any firearms. I'm not saying they can use the internet to like go and get your firearms. I'm just saying they could demand a lot of concessions in order to get the safe internet turned back on. Right. And so if you don't think that's possible, ask citizens of China. Yeah. Absolutely. And and so to so once internet is back up, we have electricity, everything's fine, there will be a whole lot of signing away, having to give up fundamental rights to have access to the internet. That I totally and this is modern day Go for it. And and there are so many examples. We know this is true. There were so many man on the street interviews and polling questions and surveys and everything that have said they've asked younger people sorry to pick on you younger people if you're listening to this show and you're younger you're obviously not the problem well, you're, le you're learning yeah you're learning about how messed up your peers are they would ask people 20 year olds for example um would you trade your constitutional rights for the latest version of an iphone and like 57 percent of them would say yes it was stunning so most people in the general population would would trade away their liberty in a heartbeat in order to get their TikTok back. And if you think I'm exaggerating, I am not because it is true. So you're gonna have that. The other possible human reaction, we're gonna wrap it up here in a few seconds and go into the after show and yes, keep and talking this, about, yes. we're gonna talk in the after show about why this may not be as bad as we think. But another human reaction that could come from all this would be World War III. How does that happen? Ooh. Let's say the government says that China did it or North Korea did it, and we launch a retaliatory attack. What if a rogue general or admiral uh, launches a rogue attack to get even with the country that did this to us? It's not that far-fetched. Oh, and we're going to talk about this more in the after show, folks. But we have to say goodbye. And, of course, from our famous founding father, Benjamin Franklin, Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. Adios. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.